And we're back. I'm James. This is the Grizz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And thanks, James. What did you think of the game this week? It was good. Well, who's your best player this week? Um, Samari Torres. Yeah, he had a good game, didn't he? Is there anything he can't catch? No, not that much. I haven't seen it. I mean, yeah, I agree. Only if Jerry, only if Jerry Louis McGee dropped three balls. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that happened too. <laughs> that happened too. <laughs> it was rainy. Do you know how many touchdowns Tori had? Uh, one. One. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And 188 yards. Good day. Bye. All right. All right. Thanks, dude. All right. Thanks, buddy. Well, uh, coming off Grizz Homecoming Week, um, how's your guys' hangovers? <laughs> so, I, uh, um, <laughs> homecomings have been kind of lousy lately. Yeah. And, you know, sitting in that first quarter when it started raining the second the game started, and then all of a sudden, you know, pretty quickly we're losing 70 nothing, and it is pouring. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be one of the worst Grizz games I've ever been to in my life. I mean, you know, you still had it in your head, like, they can come back. But, I mean, it was miserable. Everything went wrong, right? Like, in the first quarter, like, it was dumping rain when it said it was going to be, like, light rain. The Grizz couldn't tackle, like, anybody. It felt like ISU was, like, covered in... Like, literally, I think they were covered in something. Like... uh, (laughs) They were slipping through guys' hands. What was that team? Sac State. Sac State. State Spraying the Pam. The Pam all over them. That still has to be one of the all-time stupid things. I mean, because it was in Washington Grizzly Stadium. Yep. And it's like Washington Grizzly has like the smallest sidelines you could possibly have on a college football field. There's no place to hide from the fans. And you're spraying Pam on each other? (laughs) What? See, ISU was smart. They did it in the locker room before they came out, but but it all washed off in the rain. Yeah, our our (laughs) offense came out so sluggish. We were we punted three times in the first quarter. It was weird because on in one level, it's like they put together a couple first downs and they're kind of moving it, and then they'd stall. How many points do you think the Grizz offenses scored collectively in the first quarter this year? It's not much. I'm going to go with like 28. Luke. I'm going to do the prices right thing. 29. 17. Oh, I should have picked the under. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I went and looked, and it's like, and then in the second quarter, they scored, they've scored 78, and then 88, and then in the fourth, 63. Now, think about them last year. We scored all our points in the first half. So, this uh, slow start thing, I mean, that happened against, happened against Davis, happened on the road, at least at, um, and uh, 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 South Dakota. Yep. And so we have a little bit of a slow start issue, but Bobby said but we bounce back. Bobby said we haven't played the perfect game yet in his post game. That's true. And I think it's, I mean, it's hard to say that a game with a fifty nine three run <laughs> isn't perfect, but this wasn't perfect. I mean, that first quarter was awful uh, and fluky. Like I was thinking, it's like they had two seventy one yard plays in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean that—that's not like you like Brent mentioned. Um, we didn't tackle or shit in the oh, first quarter, and you know I thought on the offensive side of the ball, Dalton came out. Dalton came out maybe a l- little too amped up. Yeah, uh, he missed a he missed a wide open Toure in the end zone early, right? First possession. Yes, and yep. he he had him. It was a post, and the safety 
came up Adam to Eaton cover a tight end, and it was easy. by a smidge. Yep. And they tried that again in the second quarter, and he hung it up there too long because yep. they had him beat both right. times. Yep. And James mentioned that uh, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry wasn't Louis catching McGee dropped some balls, but he, there's at least one of those in the first quarter that was just a poorly thrown ball. Yeah. And it, I don't know. Dalton's an emotional player, and I wonder if he started out a little too amped up. I kind of thought the same thing, and that's happened a couple times this year. Yep. But he, we talked about this last week, but the difference between this year and last year is he's able to snap out of it. But he started like three of eight or something like that. Mm. And he was, I mean, he was airmailing a couple that if they'd been decent throws, it would have been first downs. Grizz would have had drives. I mean, they should have had a touchdown on their first drive. Yep. Um, so, yeah, something kind of got him settled, he, and then he took off. Yeah, yeah. He very inaccurate to start and then settles into – the Big Sky Conference Player of the Week. Yep. After the, the go ahead. Yeah, Big Sky Conference Player of the Week. Yep. And then the FCS Offensive Player of the Week, which is awesome. And let's talk about that in a second. So in the last three quarters, Sneed was twenty-one of twenty-eight. <laughs> Pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Had four hundred sixty-four yards of total offense, and in the first quarter, he only had like thirty-nine. So it gives you an <laughs> idea of how his next three quarters went. Um, it was just like they just something clicked with them, and it was like. We gotta, we gotta get going. Away you went. At uh, at one point in the fourth quarter, uh, the Root Sports guys asked me to find out like when was the last like time a Grizzly player went over 500 yards, Mm -hmm. and it was Brian Ayat. So I 500 passing or total? Totally, totally. Interesting. I really haven't had time, but I want to look into this because Drew Miller passed for over 500 yards against Idaho. Yeah, I was at that game. But I wonder if, because Drew Miller wasn't exactly fleet of foot. <laughs> so I bet you his sack total brought him back under. Okay. But he definitely passed for 500 yards in one of those five oh five. Yeah. yeah. That might have been the one we lost against Idaho before we reeled off a few wins. No, no. That so that was we lost to Hofstra, and then we went to Idaho and, and beat them. And it was it was a pretty wild game. And we played him in Washington State's stadium because at that point Idaho was not allowed to play in their dome for some weird reason. Well, because it wasn't a um, it wasn't like FBS quality <laughs> facility, and that should have been the first clue that this wasn't going to work out. <laughs> um, but hey, we're talking about Drew Miller, so interesting stat. I'm assuming it's from uh, Eric Tabor with the Grizzly Sports Information, but you know I got it off GoGrizz.com. Um, Dalton Sneed is now second all-time in offensive yards per game for UM. 322.1 yards a game. Second all-time. To Drew Miller, 327.8 yards per game. So this is the perfect time to kind of have a little bit of a Dalton Sneed conversation because it's the bye week. (laughs) We've got some time here. Yeah. We are a year and a half into his two years, right? Yep. We hopefully get a little bit of playoffs this year. Where is Dalton Sneed on the all-time Grizz QB list? Oh. Um, Who's your number one, first of all? It's, it's got to be Dave. It's got to be Dave, right? Yeah. Dave has the mantle. Yeah. yeah. Then work backwards. Who's who's two? Well, my two would be Ayat, just because, but maybe. He was so good. I mean, he was so good. You could maybe argue a little bit of a system guy because of what they had, but. Ayat was incredible. I mean, he, he's kind of that. Year, that's he's kind of that like Dan Marino of Grizz QBs, like just so great, but just doesn't ever have a ring. His yeah. proximity to Dickinson, I think, works against him in our memory. 
Well, he does have a ring. He was a backup on the night. Yeah, I got, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I apologize. As a starter, I apologize. Um, no, you're right. yep. yeah. And his 96 season was as impressive as anything anyone's ever done. Oh. Um, yeah. Drew Miller, when they had that offense going, was awesome. Oaks in his second year was awesome, but yeah. they're not as high up for me. Um, where do you put John Edwards on this list? And I've got oh, I've got some follow-ups on this, but I'm just curious. You know, it's interesting because, like, in some regards, there's John Edwards didn't never pass, I don't think, as much as Dalton did. But no. um, kind of a tough, you know, you know, run a little bit more, a little bit of a kind of lead-by-physical play kind of guy. So you see a bit of Sneed's style in him, but I think Sneed's a better passer than he was. I would agree with that. Um I also think they let him be a better passer. Yeah, yeah. Glenn was a well, and he offense. and we had a great defense then, and we had Johansi Humphrey. And it's not to knock on the running backs we have now, but Yo is probably one of the two or three best running backs we've ever had. Oh yeah. For us, especially, so it's like it's tough to I don't know. And then, but Edwards is the only other QB starting QB that got us a ring. Okay. So it's like maybe maybe your maybe the opinion is clouded by that. But I I don't know. I, I, I think it's cl- I think his position is actually weighted down by his like follow up performance in two thousand two. Right when he was yeah. Because I think I think like more people one of thirty five and lost the streak. Right. I mean, more people I think think when they think of John Edwards, they think of that. Mm-hmm. Ironically, than the fact that he won a, he took us to a championship. Well, and I guess like you look at the national championship game, right? We scored thirteen points, and it was a defensive effort. But, yeah. What I can tell you is John Edwards is easily the most, the, the single greatest intramural football quarterback <laughs> UM has ever seen. That shouldn't have been allowed. Do you remember this? Oh, my Lord. Luke and I would be on an intramural, intramural football teams. John he, Edwards was he, on the he other team. He went to law school and played for the fucking law dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and they had one year, they had like Dylan McFarland, who had just come off of making like the Bills practice roster <laughs> they had like a jeff shirley who i think was a i think jeff he shirley, was a centerville kid who was like an all-american at carroll did you say centerville i think he was from centerville hell yeah but they had this incredible team and john edwards was the quarterback for it um uh easily hands down the best intramural <laughs> quarterback you have ever seen um but back to all-time <laughs> grizz quarterback greats i mean I'm looking at like you look at stats and Brian Ayat leads leads the uh, most passing yards in a game, um, longest touchdown passes Ayat. Um, Where would you guys put Jordy Johnson? So I kind of put him in that five to ten range. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I mean, obviously Johnson, and I'm not making any comment on the legitimacy or not, but Johnson will forever have a cloud hanging over him, and then he represents an era that. I mean, it was tainted, for lack of a better word. You know, Delaney was a interim coach that was there for three years. You know, the, yeah. the yeah. whole thing. So it's just, it'd be interesting what would have happened with Johnson with three full years in Flugrad's offense. Because um, I used to think that I would take him over Snead. I think I said that two weeks ago. But I don't think I would anymore. Mm, yeah, I don't... I probably wouldn't either. I, I will think. say one thing that Johnson was better than Snead at and it came out in this game. You know, when he 
almost got the intentional grounding because he threw it way over Knight's head, but Knight was in the area. Yeah. You got to throw that at their feet. Johnson was really good at throwing the ball at the running back's feet if he was going to get sacked. And I always thought that was just a really intelligent thing for a quarterback. Just anticipating a listener question, where do you think Cole Berquist is on this list? Yes, Dylan. I don't think Cole Berquist is that high. But interestingly... um, (laughs) Somebody on Egris brought him up today too. In, yeah, that's in the right. Yeah, conversation, and they said that Snead's starting to remind him of Cole Berkowitz because he's so gritty. And I was just like, I would take Snead over Cole Berkowitz every day of the uh, week. No. And no, that's nothing against Cole Berkowitz. And I know that there's that era; they were so good. Yeah, and I'm not knocking them. Like you know, obviously he he Mariani. I mean, they had great teams. And I mean, hell, we w- would have taken Cole Berkowitz any of the last six years. You know. Gladly. Definitely. I just think that Snead is such a threat that now that he's kind of figured out the passing aspect of it, I, I mean, there's very few people you would take. So I want to go back to John Edwards for a second because you, Luke, mentioned that Snead won Big Sky Conference Player of the Week for the third week in a row and won the National Player of the Week. Well, I was reading the article that um, the Grizz put out, the press release, and it said Snead's the first offensive player to win three Big Sky Conference Players of the Week since who? Was it John Edwards? John Edwards, (laughs) which surprised me because I don't remember him being that guy. You know what I mean? I'm looking at – I got the record book up in front of me actually. John Edwards shows in his 2002 season of all seasons as being the – what would that be? Um, Quick look here. I'm going to say the eighth most passing yards of a Grizz QB career. In a single season? Yeah. One higher than Cole Berquist. But um, a, a guy that I think, like, I know my dad doesn't listen to podcasts, but he'd probably jump in here and tell us we're forgetting about Brent Pease. And, and, uh, we talked Bra- about Brent Pease a couple and weeks ago Brad- when passed him. And Brad Lebo <laughs> and uh, other guys like that. But this, So I just did kind of a fun thing. And it, it is tough to say. We're halfway through the season, right? Dalton Sneed, if you double his stats, which is tough to say if he will, yeah. but we have a body of work in front of us here. That would put him at 3,758 passing yards in the year. All time. That's an incredible number for a 12-game season. In a 12-game, just 12-game season. So not, no, no playoffs or anything. All time, that would put him third in a single season. And he would be um, he would be 50 yards shy of passing Craig Oaks from 2004. Which is one of the most incredible passing seasons. And Craig Oaks' yeah. 2004 season included three playoff games and a national, conference, national title game. Mm-hmm. And then there's still, and this is like, of course, the style of offense. There's still Dave Dickinson, which is another 300 yards, 4176, in an era <laughs> where they did not count playoff that games. Is <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, I so we've got six weeks in front of us. We've got the playoffs, but it's like, I think if, it, like me personally, if if we continue on this trajectory, Dalton finishes between 3,500 to 4,000, and we get, but I mean, and just the passing number doesn't really, isn't the be all end all. But say we get semifinals, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big, that's a big maybe, because then you're going to have to either be a top seed or go on the road and beat a big in team. Our, or North Dakota State North probably Dakota State. or something. So that'd be, that'd be wild. But it's like, and then. All on, especially this year, is a lot of it's on Dalton. I mean, you got to put him in that kind of top three or four conversation, wouldn't you? I mean, it's kind of it, weird because it's a year and a half 
I think a lot of We've people got to see how it plays out. I think a lot of people put Craig Oaks in the top five, and we had one good season out of him. Oh three, he yeah, was hurt. No, you're a ton. you're hundred percent right. But like Craig Oaks was borderline NFL talent, right? And then he went and played some NFL Europe and shredded his shoulder and went to medical school and you know and, and Is that what he did? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Or was it law school? Yeah, he came back as law school, wasn't it? Not medical, but law school I just at the UM. He was really smart. He's a super smart guy, and so I was like, well, you know. But um, that single that O four season of Oaks was unbelievable, and I think a lot of us put him in a very top tier because of it. So why not Snead as well? Yeah, I think Snead's already in my top ten. Oh, oh top ten, absolutely. Top 10. Yeah. yeah, I think he pushed Brent Pease out. Yeah, he Brent Pease is eleven. He passed Andrew I'm sorry, on the career passing list thinking, this week. Thinking about these, you know, Dickinson era years where he's throwing like crazy numbers of passes and yards and touchdowns and getting wins. And I notice, uh, perhaps you guys did too, that Dalton Sneed played deep into the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yes, he did. And I have this like. <laughs> I don't know. This is a it's a little it's like a theory that um most like like most of my theories are wrong. But this one's correct if you're going where I think you're going. <laughs> I, I wonder there's so many ancillary benefits to kicking the shit out of teams at home. And I think it's that attendance has slipped over the last few years. In this in the Stid era, attendance was down. Mm-hmm. Student attendance is down nationwide and at UM. Yep. And one of, I think, Bobby's jobs is to revitalize Grizz Nation. Just hiring Bobby, they saw season ticket sales go up. Season ticket sales are up. QB club membership donations. I mean, a lot of things are up thanks to him, yeah. So there are people, I mean, I, I, I heard, I've heard it already, are saying that, like, well, Bobby left the starters in too long. One, it's unsportsmanlike. Two, we may, like... We're we're putting our players at risk of injury, having our starters in longer than they need to be. But I wonder if you know you'd never get Bobby to probably talk about this in a very <laughs> candid way. But I wonder if part of the motivation, even though like a small proportion of the motivation, is we need to kick the shit out of teams, just like Don Reed and Dave Dickinson did, to revitalize Grizz Nation. People like watching ass kickings. They like being able to leave to the tailgates early, come back late, and then <laughs> bounce out early in the fourth quarter to go drink some more beer. Um, you know, I don't think you're wrong. And it's interesting because if that's the case, it's such a progression from where Bobby Houck was in Bobby Houck 1.0. <laughs> um, you know, it's like we, never, we never, ran, I mean, not never, and, we did, but running up the score leaving your guys in like this like it was ball control grinded out and it's like i kind of wonder if he didn't also learn in some of his recruiting battles the last seven years or whatever it was eight years where you know you you have to have an exciting brand of football for guys to want to come you've got to demonstrate to recruits that they're going to be able to throw the ball catch the ball run the ball i i get that and that's the the counter is is that you just have to beat the teams in front of you. You've got to get the win. It's their job to stop you. But it just seems I don't know. Maybe it's a theory with some holes, but for sure it it plays in the back of my mind. And I wonder if it 
if it's in the back of his mind where that balance is on injury mm-hmm. risk versus the downstream benefits. So your theory, Bobby, would probably admit before my theory. <laughs> What's <laughs> Tell me about your theory. My theory is, and I, I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it, but my theory is Bobby is on a mission for Dalton Sneed to win Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year as a final... I told you all, so <laughs> don't question me. I picked Snead over Jensen two years ago. This goes back to yes. questions. Like, it's like <laughs> offensive player of the year, clearly the better QB, period, end of statement. That's my theory. I think to, he, he is running up Snead's stats. Tell me why else they have Snead running a freaking bootleg <laughs> and doing a tomahawk somersault into the end zone up 30 points. Just show Fennessy and Ferreter what's up. I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, do you? You I don't mean, have much to. I mean, Grace Jensen's passing for two twenty-five a game and has more interceptions than touchdowns right now. I, I'm not saying that I want Grace Jensen. I, in fact, I'm very oh, no. much on the Dalton Steed bandwagon. But I'm just saying, like, it's like the ultimate Bobby. Come on, you guys know you you know him. This is not that far fetched. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> do you think Bobby will remember these things? <laughs> Yes. Oh <laughs> yes, of I course. I think Bobby Houck might remember every slight that has ever been said to him in his entire career. Water under the bridge, man. <laughs> <laughs> High Road Bobby? That's his nickname. Don't you remember? <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, you, you hit on the injuries. And honestly, that was a concern of mine. I felt like Snead maybe stayed in a series longer than he needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's it. It was like a one series longer in... Uh, quarter or like you know backseat quarterbacking you know second guessing Bobby who's a legitimate professional like a great coach I don't always feel comfortable doing that like yeah. who yeah. am I um, so I default to Bobby's judgment on this stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> no question but I just kind of felt like when I saw him trot out again you know, I was, I was really looking for Cam Humphrey. And not only trot out, he didn't trot out and hand it off. I mean, he had design called run plays. Run plays, yeah. Like the first one, he ran up the middle like a fullback. <laughs> do, you, do you think Dalton audible? Because <laughs> that's the like, Dalton's a competitor. That's the thing, too. And as like, someone texted me, like, someone needs to take Dalton's helmet away because it's like he's probably going to try to get back on the field. Yeah, I it's mean, like it's... the Brett Favre and Rogers thing. Like, <laughs> he is. Stay on the bench. Do you think Brett Favre is a good comp for Dalton Sneed? As far as the. I know it's probably overused in a cliche, yeah. but like the gritty gunslinger, just go out and battle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I can see that. I like it, though. I don't know. I You know, you're getting 110% from your quarterback. So. Uh, that that's something I enjoy. Whew. I uh, quick shout. I want to give a quick shout out because I just I cracked my first beer here after finishing a giant Wait. giant. You should see this. Did, we'll tweet you this. Drink out. a forty ounce <laughs> yeah. cider, a six a six fifty ml cider. But I want to give a shout out to my guy Jeff who is in the Tri Cities and brought me. It's a twenty two, so it's not quite a forty. It's not quite half a 40. It's a little more. Well, you needed to tape them both to your hands. Oh, I should have. Yeah. Well, then I couldn't have researched my numbers when I climbed, <laughs> hitting a bottle. So uh, brought me a Wicked Cider uh, from uh, Kennewick, and I drank the baked apple night. And it's uh, it tastes like a baked apple. I mean, it was, it was good. Bad. Yeah, smooth. Went down easy. So 
Now going from a baked apple cider to a uh, squeezed juicy ale from Deschutes, that's uh, that's uh, quite a change on the palate there. Luke also brought a uh, Sawtooth Ridge a Golden Ale from Bitterroot Brewing. Oh, good beers boy. again. Yeah, no complaints. Cheers. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I totally derailed that conversation. No, not I at apologize. all. But I mean, I sneed. Yeah. Still, a mo- couple more trivia for you. So I, you guys probably saw this. The Grizzlies set a record for first downs this game with 35. Man. All right. The previous high was 34. Can you guys remember when, when they set it? Bob Stitt when? No, not Bob oh, Stitt. I figured it was just something to. <laughs> I'm, I'll just guess. So I'm no. I don't know. Uh, Delaney, his first year. Oh. oh. Remember when we kind of ran a quasi option with who? Uh, uh, Trent McKinney. Trent McKinney. Yeah. They, they had it was against like App State downs. or something, yeah, it was right? Either App State or Eastern. I think it was App State. I think it was home, but it was one of those two. Thirty-four <laughs> first downs. Trent McKinney. Interesting. Delaney. There you yeah, go. that was that was the year Jordan Johnson was well, suspended. He was out of school. Delaney and, and who? Um, Rosie. Rosenbaugh. That's yeah, right. That's right. Fluid brought Rosie in. Rosie was a year with Rosie Delaney. stayed and. Flew was gone, and that's right. So Rosie's offenses have the two top first down outputs there in the history with two very different game plans. <laughs> He's got range. Mm-hmm. Very different quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to dive back into the game Let's a little it. bit. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about our struggles in the first quarter. And the second quarter is when the proverbial tables turned. Yeah. And it started with Sammy Akim. Did it start with Sammy or did it start with Robbie Hawk? Ooh. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about Actually, that. I think let's, you're, let's, let's, I hop, think you're let's right. Let's hop into Sammy again. Go with Sammy and we'll, we'll backtrack. No, uh, well, I, lo- I like what, where you're going with this. <laughs> but Sammy Akem comes out, they, or the Grizz come out in the second quarter in their first possession. And Akem catches three balls for, what is that, 38 yards, first downs, on I think all of them, mm-hmm. it leads and dominant, like t- pulling guys with him, just yeah. dominant. And ISU was kind of sitting; they were sitting back, and Dalton found a chem in the little hook zone on the left hand side of the field, and you just get the ball to your playmakers. And Sammy yacked the hell out of like yeah. two of those. That's true. Um, grinded us down the field, and with maybe the aid of one unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. <laughs> And kickstarts our offense and takes the game from 17-0 in the first half, first quarter to 17-7. Yep. Yep. And then the next series is where Robbie comes in. So Sammy did Sammy did kickstart this. That's right. So, the yeah, next series. Next, Idaho State gets another first down. And and then, well, they cross midfield. I yep. mean, before you know it, boom, boom, they're across the field. And um, so they've got a – they're facing a situation where they're, they're – uh, they're what they're sitting at about the 44. What I'm seeing here, and Robbie Hout comes in on delayed blitz and puts Struck flat on his ass. At that point, before the sack, right, he was nine for ten. And it, what was the stat that the it was the Missoulian or somebody shared? It was like nine for ten, and he had like 146 of his total of 180 passing in the game. Yeah, he was something. like nine for 12, and then after oh, it was that, 12. it was like eight for 21 or something. I think like it was that. lower. I think it was like six for yeah. I mean, it something. Was it was crazy. bad. <laughs> they didn't get another first down the entire first half. Yep. I mean. Yeah, because like, so Robbie sacks him, and they run a little run play that doesn't go anywhere. Incomplete pass and punt, 
And after that, floodgates are open. And Strzok did not look like the same guy. And all of a sudden, the defense kind of had its confidence back, and away we went. Yeah. The rest of the game, Strzok looked just a little uh, a little gun shy. His feet were constantly moving. Um, he wasn't following through on his balls. He was missing open receivers. Wide open guys. Missing Wide open, open guys. guys. It had to have been one of the most frustrating experiences for an offensive coordinator. <laughs> like yep. To be having the right play calls and just have your QB miss them. Yep. Flip side is the defense made some adjustments. They 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 started getting pressured differently. Yeah. You know, they only had two sacks, I think. That Hauk was one of them. Then um, our, our our guy, Patrick O'Connell, had another one. Yeah. Um, Got to like that. Got to love his emergence. His yep. fourth sack, right? Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Yep. Fourth yep. sack of the year. Um, but they were, getting, they were getting to him. And, you know, Sims had another good day, getting some pressure up the middle. And they figured out how to tackle the running back. Which... <laughs> yeah. Hey, After I that seventy-one give, yard rush, yeah, I want to really. give a ton of credit though to Ty Flanagan. He's probably the most patient running back that I've seen so far this year. He's like a Le'Veon Bell kind of style guy, right? Like he just waits for it, waits for it, waits for it, and then there it is, go. Just so good waiting for those yeah. blocks to open up. Thank God he's a senior, right? So I don't know. He's he's. I mean, he's he's not like a player that I dislike. I've always appreciated his style and the way he plays. Um yeah, I'm glad he's gone though. And <laughs> talking about all the pressure that we were, you know, able to get on ISU afterwards, mm-hmm. I thought that that was an issue that we struggled with early in the game. Is I thought ISU was able to get into Dalton's grill a little bit, a little and bit. We made some adjustments and really sealed up the pocket for him yep. moving forward. Yep. And on the other side of the ball, like what ISU did in the first quarter was almost entirely. RPO. Mm-hmm. Sound like Tony Romo. RPO. <laughs> RPO. 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 But that's all it was. So if you looked at it, uh, Struck would basically stare down one side of the field. And if it was a tighter coverage, he'd let Flanagan take it. And Flanagan would get four, five, six yards, or 71 in one case. Um, or if we backed the corners off or, or had a, like a four-wide set where – one of our issues, I think, Mike, that you text us about is our safeties in man-to-man coverage. Um, quick 10 yards up and hit him and see what happens. And Michael mm-hmm. Dean took advantage of that early. But then the Grizz defense adjusted and took away some of those kind of short, quick passes. So the pass rush, I mean, they were trying to get the ball out so quick with all the RPO they were doing the whole game. Um, what the Grizz wound up doing well was just taking those quick lanes away and after that point, Struck had – he couldn't do – well, as it showed, he couldn't do a damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, fascinating, the tale of first quarter and the last three. <laughs> it was crazy. And I like how that, you know, we forced them um, to punt after our first score. And coming right back at it, Dalton goes back to Sammy Akem. Um, he gets another 38 yards on that drive. Two consecutive first downs. Mm-hmm. We grind the ball down the field. Score again, 17-14. And we're back in the game. Oh, yeah. You can feel the tides turning. Yep. Like the sun's coming out. The yeah. rain stopped. I actually, that, <laughs> once that first touchdown came, it was like, okay, we're going to. Well, they woke up. We're going to figure this out. They woke they, up. They, they, they put something together. Um, a couple things to kind of point out. So 
first of all, a 59-3 to three run. I mean... 59, 59 points. 59 points. To three points. To three points. Like, that is crazy <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and it wasn't fluky. Like, there were no turnovers. Nope, none. There were no, like, pick sixes, fumble returns. There were no kickoff. From, I mean, there were just good drives. A couple of them had some penalty aiding. But, I mean, like, I loved it. They they downed a punt on the one. And yeah. and we went 99 we yards. Went 99 yards. Beautiful <laughs> drive. Just, it's like, all right, let's keep on going. So, have you guys ever seen a team have to kick off three times? <laughs> that was bizarre, but it was also um, such gamemanship between <laughs> Bobby and Rob Fantasy. Listen, I grew up on the High Line where the wind blows seventy miles an hour. <laughs> can you can someone explain the rule? I because yes. an out of bounds kick it should be the thirty five. So, but is it because they weren't kicking in their normal position? So the rule isn't Luke. Do you know it? Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. I was gonna say the rule. My understanding is the rule isn't actually the 35 it's 30 yards from where the kickoff occurred so because we had the 15 yard penalty at the 50 it'd be at the 20 it would be at the 20 (sighs) the the penalty on the extra point yeah is what set us into a weird on sportsman like that we got yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was on the touchdown yeah on the flanagan touchdown run yeah Yeah. it was so so funny kicks out of bounds kick it again kicks out of bounds kick it again kicks out of bounds and then i mean that one flowers was like one guy away from from breaking it which would have been the ultimate (laughs) stop being cute and what's funny is like there's no way fantasy honestly think he was gonna throw that by bobby like i believe they kicked (laughs) it out of bounds on purpose it seemed like it, yeah. the way that guy was angling that stuff. Sometimes you go to the bathroom on special teams plays, but not with this Grizz team, right? You're kind of doing the math. You're like, okay, right. score. Um, you know, we've got like an extra point, like TV timeout, and then they're going to kick off, and you're like, I can get up and down to the bathroom in time. And you're like, there's no effing way I'm going to miss a kick return by the Grizz quarter this season. With everybody else. Right. Um, speaking of some Bobby strategery, in the fourth quarter, they had a third and seven, and Idaho State got a penalty. Yeah. And instead of declining the penalty and making a punt, he took the penalty and backed him up, was it 15 yards? Yeah. And I can only assume that he thought that Idaho State might go for it, go for it fourth yeah. and seven. But you don't really see that that often. No, you really don't. No. Yeah, it would have been something right. They would have had a fourth and seven or – Yeah, it would have been fourth and seven. Fourth and seven and then sent them way back and then they threw it. And then fourth – and then they tried to, what, throw a pass, didn't get it. Yeah. Had to punt then. So, yeah, it was – there was definitely a game within a game going on there between Bobby and Fantasy. A um, couple other stats that, that just jump off the page – um, so, yeah, Torrey with 8 for 188, Sammy with 10 for 135. How awesome is that? Amazing. Um, you know, nobody else had more than, I think, two catches. And the running game really didn't produce a ton. I mean, Knight obviously had three short touchdowns. So that's great. We'll take that. Yeah, Dalton Steed was our leading rusher. Yep, but it's kind of fun. And we've talked about this on this pod before. But, you know, they took away kind of our, our slot. They took away the tight ends. And they took away, they took yeah. away the running game which we thought we'd be able to run on them a lot more. And granted, by the end, we put up 188 yards, but it wasn't what they thought. So what do they do? You know, they go to their top two receivers and jam it down their throats. But so you're going to go one-on-one on a Cam and Torre? Yeah. Fine. Go for it. If you're going to double them, we're going to have tight ends open and slot open. Mm-hmm. 
Pick your poison. What was great about this, though, like, you saw this in the first half. Like, just Sammy is such a mismatch, right? Like, his touchdown, like, we had that weird, and I think we're probably going to talk, like, the the pass back to Dalton Sneed, which he doesn't get. And then the next play, it's just like a cam. Corner goes to jam him, kind of misses, and it's just easy money for Dalton. And so you just see, like, the mismatch where it's like, even if Sammy's got one or two or three guys in some of these cases, outside of the he had a second he had a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of went through his hands. Yep. But we, we got in the end zone through yep. with Knight anyways. Um just the mismatch that he is on the sideline. We kicked a field goal that drive. Oh, we kicked a field goal. Yeah, thank you. I'm surprised James didn't bring that up because he remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> He's in, wake his ass up. Yeah. Get him out here. Um <laughs> But then like Toure showed more of what he provides as the yard after catch guy where Jerry can do that too. But this really felt like to me the first time since Bobby's been back that Toure kind of looked like he did the last year under Stitt where it was like catch, make a guy miss and run. And I, I don't have it. I'd be really interested to see what his yard after catch average or just what his total was. Cause I mean, he had, what was his yards? 188 mm-hmm. and yeah, 188 receiving, but he had so many plays where now granted his two greatest catches were just deep sideline bombs. There's one in front of the student section and then flip the other side of the field. There's one right in front of me where the guy was even pulling on his Jersey. Um, but uh, he had a few where it was, it was a six, seven, eight yard pass and makes a guy miss. He had one that he turned in like, what, a 30 yard yeah, or something. Like yeah. It was fun. So, and and uh, he was having fun and you yeah, could tell. You could really tell. And so it was cool to see those two guys both showing what they can provide to this team. And that's, that's what I love about this receiver core because you've got Sammy, who's just a size and ability, just all around mismatch. Samore, who is a guy in open space, is going to turn quicker shorter catches into a ton of yards but also showed on the sideline that he can haul in a lot of stuff and then jerry who's just a tough tar- tough guy to bring down and our tight ends too what deming had a pretty good catch and run i mean that was he had a couple catches that was our only tight end that had any catches but i mean yeah all, all the weapons in this offense they just keep showing up in different ways each week and they're so hard to defend because you can't you got, you take a guy like jerry louis mcgee and gabe solcer's the same way you have to put a hat on those guys. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes they don't have big numbers. Yeah. But they always have a hat right in front of them. You can't zone those guys uh cuz if you they get the ball out in space, anything could happen. Yep. And you you could just see it the confidence that a cam is building every week. Yeah. Like he was just I mean, he catched those balls and it was just he knew he Listen, was better than them. Yeah. His best catch was like when it was still dumping rain, right? Mm-hmm. Like stretch his hands out yep. in the middle of the field, and it was just his first catch. Like he sucked it into his body, like he did, you know, before Bobby when uh, in his what his freshman, his redshirt freshman year, and it was like, and I was like, oh god, he's gonna start catching like crap, and then like like a few play, a few catches later, just amazing, just stretch the hands out. Uh, yeah, you just love what it kept becoming. It, it, it's gonna be, we got we got. Another year of Sammy and Samore. So, um, speaking of climbing up yeah. the all time list, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, they gotta be pretty decent right now. I'll go look, but I mean, they've both been starters since they were freshmen, more or less. I mean, Torre, especially, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a couple other things that jumped out Dante Olsen, 18 tackles, yeah, nice to see, incredible, a lot of assists, 
Yep. Right. Jace but, had okay. 14, I think. Yes. Um, and how I think he had eight this game, but they are collectively, they are in the top three in the nation in tackling. And it's the only F- FCS team that has three guys in the top 15. There you go. Just, you know, take that. <laughs> um, but my favorite play of the second half, which is saying something, be, well, maybe this is my favorite play, but it was like I was glad to see it. Eastwood. Oh, yeah. Comes in, breaks a long one, and Cam Humphreys threw a great block. Cam Humphrey threw the yes. block that's, that Sprung sealed him. the edge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Eastwood cuts back. And There's Humphrey. Uh, Humphrey's like, I'm balling, dude. <laughs> yep. I need an assist on this touchdown. Yeah, I mean, if you just deal it because Eastwood's first touchdown of the year. Obviously, he's he's relegated a third back and, and – Probably rightfully so, but you still you feel bad for the guy. So you could tell his yeah. teammates were pumped for him. Yeah. Like everybody playing and then all the sideline, like they were rocking with him when he came back. It makes me think that he's um, handled the demotion with grace and maintained the, the, the team over the individual line. Yep. Uh, to see this, the players celebrate his success like that. Yep. Absolutely. I'd agree with that. And- I- Go ahead, Brent. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, and a football season is a long season, and and it's it's something where Eastwood might be called upon to start or to to rotate a lot more. True. I mean, um, Osmo looked a lot more like a true freshman in his few tu- in his few touches. So um, it, it's it's kind of one of these things like just just be ready and do your best when you're out there. And he really took advantage of that, and it was cool to see. I I don't want to get you know, too far out in front of the skis here. But this team is starting to feel special. You know, it's we talked about this a little bit last week because it's like, you know, we're still in the territory of we've been here. Yeah, but we're five and one. a little bit of difference. And here's one for you. And this came from um, the Missoulian, um, Frank Gagola, or however you say his name. Give him credit. Um, this is the first time the Grizz have gone 5-0 and oh against FCS opponents to, opponents to start the year since the last time Hauk was here. Hmm. Since two thousand nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I look at their, you know, I, I look at their leadership. We know Dalton Sneed. Like we we've said it tonight. Great, passionate leader, um, hard on the sleeve. You, you know, Robbie Hauk. You know, that guy understands what the coaches are doing. It, it literally bred into him, right? <laughs> Dante Olson. Yep. Like. Strong leader Jesse Sims, this mm-hmm. huge strong leader, understands what it means to be a Grizz, a thirty-seven Stevensville kid. Um, I just I feel like there's so much buy-in from the collective team. I feel like they're all marching to the beat of the same drum. I don't see a lot of individual over teamness. Um, even Jerry Louis McGee, right? He he's breaking all sorts of records. Broke another one this week. He mm-hmm. moved up into number. three third all-time for receiving yards, I think. It's over 2,000. Yeah, yeah. I, think he, I think at 2004, he yeah. he he huh. moved up into three, 2004 yards. But anyway, you don't hear him celebrating his own personal accolades. Nope. Um, I I just think that this, this team is starting to feel special. I, I, I'm hesitantly saying that because I <laughs> do believe in jinxes. Uh, so I need someone to reverse jinx me. Really soon. um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting so excited. I will say that I think it's safe to say that the offense isn't a fluke. Like, 
you know, we might come up with a better D line to pressure Sneed more, and they're going to have to adjust. We're going to find out fast. We're going to find out yeah. pretty quick. But there's so many weapons. The offense isn't a fluke. Can the defense hold up their part of the bargain? I think is going to be the two true test for where that goes. To that yeah. note, yeah. I mean, the defense after surrendering you know a million yards in the first quarter. They held Idaho State to under 400 yards of offense total for the game, yeah, which was impressive. <laughs> Nash oh, Fouch, yeah. you know Calhoun, mm-hmm. Sandry, Hauk. These guys are all gamers. They all showed up and played. Um, I man, I'm I get so excited here. I don't know. You guys have to calm me down. <laughs> well, I mean. We could calm you down because I mean I think we're gonna kind of dive into this since we don't have a it's a bye week and we don't have a game to talk about. But um, the real gauntlet of this schedule is the second half. Yeah, let's just dive in I, right now. We can wrap I, up the conference in a bit. I mean, I don't think we've beat a team with a winning record yet, right? Yeah, but I kind of and think I know that's it's early. Stupid. I know I know it's kind of stupid because Davis and ISU have shown some talent. South Dakota is now on a two game win streak, but. Um, we don't, and but it's like we are going to play an either ranked or receiving votes Sac State, a and then a once ranked Eastern Washington ranked, and then two top ten teams in Weber and Cats, and then we have to go on the road to Portland State as well too. So it's like the the tough part of the schedule is in front of us, and so and and, and if they show. In a few games, a couple weeks, like we get two, three more weeks into this, and they're still rolling, then, then I'm gonna be, hundred percent buy-in on this too. I'm just holding back because I, I, and this is not 2016 again. We're not beating the crap out of like, gutterball garbage teams that you know we're not. 2016 uh, doesn't beat Davis on the road. No, right? no, 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 not at all. So double digits. It, th- this team has something special going. You yeah. can feel it. Idaho State's been getting votes. They came off a bye. And their offense, I mean, I know we joked about you getting some crap from Grizz for... <laughs> Boy, I sure they're... felt like I told you so when it was yeah, 17-0. But I mean, you're, you're illustrated, <laughs> it's like, they do have the potential. If they had a better quarterback, they probably are they, a better team. If they, they had a quarterback a with guy. a little bit of experience. They had a senior QB last year, and yeah. they won seven games. Yeah. If they had a quarterback, Dalton plays the whole game oh, and probably breaks all-time <laughs> records. <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, no, I think that well, here's what I say. Let's start this way. You know, we talk going into the season season about what are legitimate win expectations for yeah. this team and stuff like that. And I think we were all in the eight or nine win. I was leaning range. nine. I was leaning nine as the season opened. But so, other people were like seven or eight yeah. was would be a good season. So if they go 500 the rest of the way, that's eight wins. That's eight wins. So, I mean, on one hand, let's just let's just acknowledge that They've obviously improved over last year, and and no matter what happens, oh, like yeah. they have taken steps forward for sure. True. That being said, no one's going to be satisfied if they go five hundred. No, probably not. They'll be in the playoffs, presumably, as eight wins, yeah. eight FCS wins. But yeah, and you're right. This is a gauntlet of a schedule. It Sac gets tough. State. Sac looks good. Eastern Washington. Eastern doesn't look so good. They don't. But I'm not sleeping on. No, no, no. They've no, had a lot of not. injuries, and it's going to be one of those things where they're going to get them all back for I'll get, us. They'll, be, they'll yeah. be like, everybody's back. Everybody's back and healthy, and we're going to take it out on you guys. <laughs> but it's at home. That's when I mean, we get Eastern at home. Yep. We get Weber at home. 
and with Weber, who gave up 38 to Idaho. To Idaho. Mason Petrino sliced and diced them. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand Idaho at all. Oh, the, Mike's theory is alive and it's real. It's 100% they, accurate. They got up to play Weber, and I don't know who they play this next well, week. I but think they're that gonna means they're going to get up to play us. They absolutely, absolutely. are going to get up to play in, us. In our house? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we struggle. We've struggled historically against Portland State for whatever freaking reason. <laughs> and Portland, like, has one of the better passing offenses in the conference and one of the better, like, like the something. I, it was I was looking at the combined something. They have, like, a defensive statistic where they're top. The best total defense in the conference is Portland State. They gave up 50 points to Idaho State. They still average only allowing 339 per game. Now, See, granted, so now here's the thing. They've played – they had a good game against Arkansas defensively. Who's terrible. And then they beat, like, two NAI schools, yeah. right? I mean, so it's, it's not like, even real. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that – no, they haven't had their bye. No, the only yet. thing Portland State has going for them that the game is in Portland. Obviously, they proved last year they could come in and beat the yeah. Grizz here. But I, I think that team is going to be so fired up to – Get them back. That'll probably be one of those will, black flag yeah. type games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we host Weber. Yep. Go on Weber. And then we go to MSU. And again, just like Eastern Washington, I think we're a better team than MSU. Um, but anything can happen mm-hmm. at the brawl. Oh, yeah. And the way we, they run the ball, I mean, it. it Hey, we talked about we thought we were last year last the last three losses to MSU, a lot of it seemed like the Grizz were a better team. I'm gonna say I, they were. That's I, controversial. They they were better I think they were better in terms of talent on the field. I would maybe wonder about decisions on the sideline and um and where that kind of got you. And so that was I don't know. But this year things are different. But like, so we got, and we're going to talk Sac State next week when we scout them out and talk about the week. But Sacramento State, I watched their game against Eastern Washington as best I could on beautiful Pluto TV. On Pluto, yeah. Um, their D line uh, is the real deal, and that they might be better than Montana State's front. And so that Georgia Bina who got another year was a beast. The guy's insane. He might be the best defensive end. I, I he probably is the best defensive end in the conference. And it's interesting because you're starting to narrow down that talk of who's the MVP. And of course, everyone drills down to the QB. And so it's like, there's Dalton Sneed and there's Kevin Thompson, the sack QB. And they're like neck and neck and a lot of statistics. And so, cause it's like Jake Myers falling off and Eric Barrier is I don't know, not looking so great. And so suddenly it's like it's kind of a two man race at that kind of MVP. And so it's gonna be a fascinating game and they're at Sac Granted, that was the other thing on Pluto TV. There must have been like five hundred people in the stands. It was a joke. Mm-hmm. Um but that commuter school, right? No one there cares about their football team. It'll be a heavy so. cal- heavy UN presence at that game. I would guess. It'll probably be more of a home game for the Grizz than anything. Yep. So Hot Take Nate might even go. Hey, you hey. see a guy in a bro tank on the sideline? That's hot take. <laughs> a bro cat tank. <laughs> you threw up and you don't know why. That's why. So this would be the thing. If if Sack beats the cats, would hot take Nate still swallow his pride and get a Sack bro tank to wear to cheer for Sack against the Grizz? 
Because I do know that last week in the Main Mint podcast, Hot Take Nate has admitted he is maturing more and enjoys seeing both Montana schools doing well. I think, and this is interesting, because I think there's a whole lot of Cat and Grizz fan who are actually rooting for their the other team so that the teams are, like, all hype well, going into that game. <laughs> I think it would be wonderful if... At the brawl this year, instead of it being like a like a winner goes to the playoff, loser goes home, mm-hmm. we were both solidified in playoff berth uh, status. And one's playing for a seed, big seed. Yeah, one's playing for a seed. The other one, you know, yeah, we'll Outright get in conference champion. Uh, but it sets up a scenario where we could get Cat Grizz two in the playoffs. Almost had it once, which would be awesome. Maybe. How freaking cool and would it that better be, be here. Um, so two comments on that one I think ironically both fan bases the portions of both fan bases who are cheering for this are cheering for it because they think that the other team is overrated and their team will kill it <laughs> <laughs> and two the only storyline that would be better than that would be if the Cats stumble a couple more times this season and the Grizz knock them out of the playoffs in that game what would you prefer more Knock them out of the playoffs. Come on. It's been three years in a row they've done it to us. I would prefer to send Chad home crying. I would rather beat them in the brawl and then face them in Cat Grizz 2 at Washington Grizzly Stadium like deep November. Fuck. Are you kidding (laughs) me, Mike? That is high pressure. Oh, my goodness. This state would explode. (laughs) I mean, if the Cats and the Grizz met in the playoffs... Someone pointed out it almost happened um, That's... one of the years. like the cat, But the Cats lost to like Sam Houston. So that would have yep. been, what, 04? Yep. Geologists would predict the super volcano in Yellowstone <laughs> goes off. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but going, everybody would be happy. Going into double OT, oh Yellowstone explodes. <laughs> Boy, I'm, I'm getting that anxious, excited pit in my stomach just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am so like this is why I've got to be careful and not get too high on this season so far because I miss playoff football at Washington Grizzly Stadium so badly. Oh yeah, and not just like the first round, whatever, but like the quarterfinals, the semifinal, like you know, real deep football. Like the teams you don't see. You know, you're not playing San Diego. Well, I mean, we got San Diego from, but you know, it's like one of these like these Southland schools. Like, if Nichols came here, like, has Nichols ever played in Washington Grizzly? Like, all this, like, just it's it's fun. It's super fun, and you know, sometimes it's been not so fun. Coastal Carolina, who the fuck are these guys? Oh, they oh they beat us. Yeah. So you know, stuff like that, it happens. But but still, it's like there's that that fun air of the playoffs and. Like the stadium's not sold out, but it's like everyone there is like drunk, I, batshit crazy. I also like to imagine like a team from Nichols comes, or you know, even like a, a Coastal Carolina comes to Washington Grizzly Stadium, and these kids, keep in mind, these football players, at most are like twenty three years old, right? Except for you know uh, Tyler Geller, who's <laughs> like twenty seven, but. Many of them have never heard John Denver music. 
<laughs> like, what is this? Thank what God I'm a country boy. What's going son. on? All these people are amped to this John Denver. They can't even clap with the right tempo, but they're still enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, the this we're going to know real fast if this team's for real. And it's like, so 2016, we were 5 and 1. And we're 5 and 1 again. Again, 2016, a couple of those wins from the 5 and 1 were Missouri Valley State, Sac State who I don't think won a game that year and there was another team that we just completely obliterated. Maybe it was Idaho State even. Um this year this year feels different and hopefully it keeps going. But, you know, on the road at Sac in 2 weeks, we're going to get to watch of course the Cats host Sacramento um this Saturday. So we're gonna we're gonna find out real quick what these grizz are made of, and if they keep rattling off a few wins, I mean it's wild to think that in after the bye week in two weeks, if all if the grizz win two, you're at seven wins and you're at a a, a benchmark of qualifiable wins for the playoff yeah, already. But that's wild. By the by the end of October, we could have enough. You could be in. I mean they they like. They, of course, you, know, you get to eight wins, and then if you drop the last three or something, you might <laughs> you might be sitting a little nervous on the bubble there. But um, but yeah, and the other thing that we're seeing, and I think maybe we're going to kind of move into this, but um, other teams in the Big Sky are rapidly eliminating themselves from the playoffs, it's especially crazy. the number one and number two favorite teams to win the conference. Well, the problem, and we've we've touched on this over and over again, but. These teams have such crappy pre-conference schedules yeah. that they can't afford to not be perfect in conference. So Eastern basically has to win out to have a chance to make the playoffs. And Davis too. And Davis most likely Damn too. Close. I mean, maybe they can lose one more and sneak in, maybe. But outside of that, NAU could maybe get to 71 wins at this point. Yes. Yeah, yeah right? they could. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think they can very realistically get to seven. But it's like right now, Weber, Montana State, Montana, and Sac State Sac. are probably the only legitimate ones. But Sac State has to go perfect through a gauntlet of a schedule. Yeah, we talked about Montana State, Montana, Weber, NAU, NAU Idaho, Davis. Idaho, Davis. And, and the drop poly on there, too. Yeah. I mean,. So and Sac goes to MSU this week. This week, so we we catch Sac after our bye, and after they go to MSU. Yep. Which so I, they're either going to be really high on a big win or exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean this this conference it, it's fascinating. It, it, it's not. Uh, it's maybe not what we totally expected. I mean, I think a lot of people were just saying, "Well, you got Weber, you got Eastern, you got you got Davis, and then one of those Montana schools might just kind of eke in there." And right now, it's the both Montana schools and Weber, but Weber showing a little bit of some concerns, and after and then Sacramento State, who got completely fucked in the top twenty-five voting, which I know at this point means nothing, but Davis stays in the top twenty-five. Two and four Davis, who's lost three in a row, stays in the top 25, and Sack is and also votes. And Princeton, who is a non-qualifiable league, is 24th. Like, I voting is so, like... Is this some East Coast bias? 
it's just I don't know what the hell it is. Uh, uh, Sean Rady, I think, tweeted about the sack didn't have like an identifiable name. You know, it's not it's not the pre conference favorite. It's not a Montana school. It's not Eastern Washington. So, you know, who the hell are these guys? Whatever, who cares? Because they beat Eastern, they beat them pretty. I mean, fairly handily. Eastern worked their way back into it, but sack. Sack's going to be one of these teams that's part of the discussion, which I don't think anybody expected. They're kind of that – we talked about this. There's a, It seems like every year there's a big sky school that comes out of nowhere. We've seen Portland State do this. We've seen Southern Utah do this, what, a couple times? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess mostly them. But, uh, I mean, Idaho State to a lesser extent last year winning seven games. Uh, so you Davis last year, right? The year before, what they won four or five. Now you could kind of see Davis was building things and getting a little better, but uh, you kind of get these schools. It's just they rise up out of nowhere. And as they're as Davis is maybe showing, or Southern Utah has definitely shown, and Portland State has definitely shown, they have one good season or like they have a little good rise and then they fall away. And so they sack that team. They got a lot of seniors, QB, running back, receiver, D line. Where they'll be next year is tough to say. Sustained sustained success is super difficult, but um, I'm actually pretty energized by their emergence because I do think like a high tide raises all ships. The yeah. Big Sky Conference is certainly more competitive than it was ten years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the more FCS wins our conference can collectively get, you know, long term, I think I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. Anything else kind of on the conference of what's going on everywhere else and kind of where the Grizz are at at this point? I don't think so. I mean, this is – I think it's a we're at a good point for, for a break. Um, I like having the bye right in the middle. Um, yeah, right in the middle. <laughs> smack dab in it, yeah. So it, it's uh, – this is – this times out well. I don't think that – it's tough to say. I don't think the team's totally beat up. We had Josh Sandry. Um get a little nicked up in this game, come back a little bit, and then they wound up going with Nash Fouch. Uh, looks like um, Hemp Hill might have had a not-so-pretty-looking injury there. But, uh, you know, and, th- and then a couple of things here and there. So I think it's it, it's a good t- – and Dalton was limping, what, a little bit in the second quarter, and then I'm going to guess jumping over a guy and getting smashed in the back <laughs> and falling on the ground probably didn't feel that great. So I think we're at a good time to rest some of these guys up and – get ready for the second half so this is where it's gonna get fun like this I, I i i posted this before like the gauntlet is now in front of us and we're gonna see what this grizz team is made of and it's gonna be a blast and again i i love we've got the sack road game who who the hell would have predicted that maybe sacramento state is our toughest road game of the year what the fuck that's not what we were thinking. <laughs> but, but here's my question it's um, like obviously sack state is is good yeah. so far. They've put together a good. But do you really think they're better than Davis? I, I do. Really, I do. Their QBs playing better. Their run game looks better. Their defense is dramatically better. Um. So Davis lost to North Dakota this weekend. Yeah, thirty-eight, thirty-six. Gave up a late field goal, right? To very late field goal. Yeah. I mean, but North Dakota is a good football club too. North Dakota is one of those teams. I think 
they moved into the top 25 or kind of sit right on that threshold of an also votes kind of school, but they lost to Eastern Washington the week before. Do you think, I mean, it's, it might be difficult to say better than, less than, but Davis and Sack are probably like well within the same league. Like, yeah, quality, that's fair. Right? That's fair. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they play each other at the end of the year because they're rivals being just down the road from each other. Yeah. So, um, Weber State, we, we mentioned it a little bit. They went and beat Idaho 41-35. That was at Weber, wasn't it? No, in Idaho. In Idaho, okay. It was in Idaho. And I, for one, couldn't believe that Idaho put 35 points on Weber. <laughs> I think, yeah. It, Weber, didn't Weber have like a lot of turnovers in that game? Weber may have had a lot of turnovers, but I know that they, I think, picked Petrino off three times. Oh, so it's Idaho that had a lot of turnovers. That wouldn't surprise me. But I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Idaho puts up, th- hangs 35, but they also commit three turnovers. Do we have a sense on whether or not Weber might be a little overrated? I think, and I've said this before, if you don't have an offense, you're putting way too much pressure on even a great defense. You're, you got to be well-rounded. You got to be well-rounded. And, and my guess is, especially if Weber had some turnovers in that game, the defense just they just could not and, and obviously Weber scored points. But. Yeah, so Weber returned Jake Constantine. He came back. Um Weber ran for two twenty three, passed for one sixty three. They just they suck passing the ball. Uh lost a fumble through a pick. Idaho passed for one ninety three, rushed for two twelve. Um Weber you said they picked. They picked. They did not pick Mason. There was no interceptions, but there was three recovered fumbles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Weber, I don't know. Maybe Mason put him on the turf, but like Weber didn't get four hundred yards of offense against Idaho. Three eighty six. Nope. So Weber was five of fourteen on third down, but three of three on fourth down. Where Idaho was two of ten. Um, I don't. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> see Weber. Coming into Washington Grizzly Stadium with no offense and beating the Grizz. I don't either. I I really I like this sack game is gonna be such a big like it's a big this, is, this is gonna be like how do we do it? Because it's like you look at we've got three fairly legit defenses that we face. And actually, like you look at scoring defenses, number one, best in the conference, Sac State. Again, We've got some opponents here, right? But they're allowing 19.8 per game. Two, Weber State, 20.2. Four, three is us. Four is Montana State. Five is Portland State. So we're playing all the top five defenses, points allowed, down the stretch, excluding us. But none of those guys have played the best offense. That's true. That is true. That is very true. That is very true. Um. Speaking of kind of the the Grizz a little bit in rankings and things like that, um, the Missoulian has an interesting article out comparing what they'd call short yardage situations. So first and sec are uh, basically one or two yards to go. Um, and they analyzed all this year compared to all of last year. And so – The Grizzlies have converted 80.6% of their short yardage play through six games. Wow. Which is up from 
44.4% of their <laughs> short yardage in the 11 games of 2018. Damn. Almost which doubled. Was, yeah, which was down from 68.9% in 2017 under Bob Stitt. This is a Frank Gagola article on the Missoulian or 406 MT Sports. Um, that's wild. That's crazy. I mean, that speaks to the offensive line, first of all. It and, helps when you have an offensive line. And they're gross. But um, on qualifying short yardage plays, the Grizz have converted 25 of 31 times in six games. Um, the number of conversions significant in that Montana picked up just 24 of them in 2018. <laughs> in 54 attempts. So, I mean... That's wild. They will... I mean, they're that's crazy. They're already ahead of their total short yardage game. I didn't realize they were so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I let's see what this says about Knight, because Knight's got to be a big part of that. Um, with one yard to go, the Grizz have gained the necessary yardage 83.3% of the time, compared to 51.7% in 2018. When they need two yards, they've gotten it 76.9% of the time. More than double the 36 they posted last year. Marcus Knight has been a go-to guy, picking up 12 of his 14 attempts. That's already more conversions on fewer attempts than 2018 starter Adam Eastwood. Uh, this is a great article by Frank. Aguil. Wow. You should go did, read he, this. did he put it out today? Yeah, it just, oh, okay. it just got yeah. posted tonight. He's a great journalist. Go, unless you want to finish reading that. No, I don't. I want. I feel that there's a whole lot more to it. Mike, would you would you please read it word for word? Yeah, word for word. Um, no, but, go read his article because it's it, he definitely put a lot of time into it. Quick question. Does Frank talk about – oh, he does talk about last season then. He does. It, it, I mean, I'm not even halfway through it. I mean, it, this is... Do we need to shout at him for talking about last season? Well, you know, somebody should ask <laughs> him. I mean, I wonder how Bobby's going to feel because this is pretty This I is think, pretty positive. I think Bobby will be happy because it shows the progress. Yes, <laughs> showing yeah. progress. <laughs> okay, moving down the big sky, Portland State uh, beats Southern Utah 52-31. to Okay, I think we all... Southern Utah has, uh, you know... Proudly taking the helm of the worst team in the conference from Northern Colorado since Northern Colorado has a So win. they were easy. In the, we, both Brent and I. Luke, do you vote in the Big Sky Power Rankings? Are you voting in those? Yep. For, okay. So Southern Utah was pretty easy to pencil in at number one. Or at uh, the, bo- 13. the bottom. <laughs> and, you know, we were in Montana and then Montana State, Sac State. You know, those are four. Everybody else between them. So tough. Very difficult to rank, right? <laughs> it was tough because it was like, where do you put Davis and Eastern? Like they've only like they lost again, both of them. And but are they really better? Like Portland State won. Is Portland State better than Davis or Eastern? I don't think so. So yeah, some of that voting was a little crazy. Then North Northern Arizona goes forty one to twenty three versus Northern Colorado. NAU set an attendance record for that game. What was it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Whatever the hell the walk-up Skydome holds, I don't know. 1,500 people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we all we, we picked that. NAU is clearly the better team. Uh, 10,026. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, good for Hooray. them. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then Sac State, they beat Eastern Washington 48-27. to 27. Now that was 
So far apart, then close, and then far apart again. And Barrier got hurt and came back and Barry, got hurt again. There was yeah, Barrier got hurt. There was like a and there was like some sort of. I, I was seeing this from uh, one of our um, Kyler Neal, one of the uh, Big Sky um, Pod Network contributors for the Eastern side, and it was like Barrier. There was some sort of concussion concern, and so and I don't know if this is an FCS or a Big Sky or maybe just an Eastern thing, but they sat him for three or four series out of concern going into the second quarter. And that was when sack kind of built their lead up, but they sealed the deal with Barry back in where um, somebody hit him and he fumbled and Barry had a bad game. I think there was picks, there was fumbles. It, it was rough. And watching that game, it was interesting because he, he was not very on target down the field, despite the receiver talent that Eastern has. Um, but he was kind of effective running the ball. He had a couple of long runs. He might have even had a touchdown run. I uh, I can't remember if it was him or their running back. But um, weird game, weird game. But Sacks defense and and Eastern's Eastern's defense, though. Granted, we know a lot of their guys are hurt. Their defense was horrible, horrible, horrible. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. It was so bad. It was it was. Sack could do whatever the hell they wanted the whole game, it seemed like. Yeah. Okay. Um, then we had Montana State beating Cal Poly on the road 34-28. to In overtime. In OT. And Montana State was winning like 28-7 or something. Yeah, Poly right like rattled off uh, 21 unanswered. Cal Poly doesn't have the greatest defense out there. Tucker Rovig, MSU's quarterback, goes 12 of 24 for 163. Like, what a turd sandwich. He's got a pretty sweet tattoo of a lion on his right arm that I hadn't seen before. I just, I mean, like, can we talk about (laughs) the cats for a second? Are we at that point? Yeah. Let's do it. R&R Cat Cast hasn't sent our koozies yet. No, that's bullshit. Um, (laughs) I mean, their QB situation's a mess. They don't have one. Travis Johnson. Johnson. He's their best guy. He's their best, he's their best option. He's an option. Ironically, was brought in as a QB transfer two years ago and then not given a chance to play it. Switched to receiver. He came from Oregon. Came from Oregon. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so weird. I'm just glad they finally found a way to use a six foot four, 210 pound athlete. <laughs> <laughs> like, it only takes two years for Choate to figure out how to work that guy. In hey, let's give this system. guy the ball. I think our right tackles a better would be the best quarterback on their team. That's Cook? a fantastic uh, Twitter question. Ooh. I mean, I would love to ask him. <laughs> I, would, I would love <laughs> to pose the question. Like, you know, we, we talked a few weeks back. Like, um, what would Bobby Houck trade for uh, Troy Anderson? What would Choke <laughs> trade for Dylan Cook to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. Dylan Cook is a Butte native who went to MSU Northern as a quarterback. QB, yeah. And then transferred to UM, lost five pounds, and then became our right <laughs> <Lost> tackle. 
<laughs> if you just look oh at the leaned him up. If you just look at the MSU Northern bio versus UM bio, he's lost five pounds and now is our starting right tackle. It's been like a limb and say that UM's got a little better conditioning and strength program. I'm guessing. I'm the, guessing so. Jared Lorenzen of the oh, Frontier Conference. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I got it. I think Dylan Cook would be their starting quarterback. <laughs> No, he'd they'd put Troy Anderson up in front of him. I just, I mean, and at this point, I guess you can approach it two ways, but I would almost approach it like, what QB would want to go there? None. Because you don't get any support, and clearly they have no idea what they're doing with QBs. The flip side of that is you're going to win the job. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, Bauman could turn into the guy. He's a retro freshman, right? Um in years to come, but man, yeah, they're because Johnson's a senior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't know what Rovig is. Rovig's a junior. sophomore, junior, something like that. Yeah, I don't they, know. They they're, they're in a bind. They haven't solved that uh, position yet, and it's going to be problematic for them. I mean, Gross Jensen. Yep. <laughs> I still maintain that that There's is zero chance he wants to come there. Well, Bob Stitt. Takes Ernest Collins' job at Northern Colorado. I well, Gresh should probably just go to UNC because UNC's tenth-year QB finally graduates, right? He's still starting yep. for Texas State. Yeah, yeah. He I, w- I just think he'd rather be on a shitty <laughs> FBS team than a really shitty FCS team. <laughs> Tough to I say. think he and Bobby bury the hatchet in the offseason. Gresh comes back, wins Offensive Player of the Year uh, for the 2020 Grizzlies. You're crazy. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, So do you guys want to move into the picks for this upcoming week? Yep, let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. All right. So we have Montana State hosting Sac State. So man, will Montana State go over 300 yards of total offense? Yes, Absolutely. I think Montana State will win this game. You think so? I do. I hope so. Mostly because I feel if I say out loud that they won't, they will. They will. So I would rather be wrong on the. I would rather be wrong on the pot. <laughs> MSU. Yeah, I'm gonna go sack on this. I sack states. Weakness appears to be pass defense, but Montana State does not have a quarterback that throws the football effectively. Will we see Troy Anderson at quarterback? Absolutely. But he's beat up. He's beat. You know, but he he still looks damn good as a linebacker. Yeah, they should Um, just let him play linebacker. And you look at the weather, it's going to be upper 40s, low 50s. So it's not Sack's not going to come up here and play in a snowstorm and a bunch of shitty weather. I'm going to go Sack. I I think Sack State's for real. I think Sack State's for real too. I think they're going to win this game. I'm really intrigued to see how much quarterback Troy Anderson plays when when MSU's back is to the wall. I think that the reaction is going to be to put Troy in. Like I don't see Chote as someone who's going to concede a victory. He'll, nope, put, he'll right. put Troy in. Troy's going to take a bunch of contacts. Yeah. And the cumulative effect of, a, of, a, of that kind of exposure 
I think is going to be scary. I think it's going to be dicey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of like running your vehicle in the red for a while, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, On the other side, I mean, I you, you know, cats are also facing a bye. We, they're headed into their bye. So kind of like Mike, like you said last week, is there's probably a no knowledge that you drop this game to the friggin' Hornets and – you're not getting any time off. Yep. So there could be a little bit of extra motivation that um, that could come into play. I, I'm still I'm I'm leaning sack. I I'm a believer. Shout out to the Hornet House on Twitter. I don't know who this guy is, but he's damn funny. Buzz buzz. <laughs> oh, All right, no. stingers up. Oh no, stingers up. It's we're too far in for one it. week. So then we have Idaho going to Portland State. <laughs> Portland State. Portland State. Yeah, Portland State. Portland State's bad, so Idaho's not going to get up for them. Yeah. Portland State. PSU. I'm going to take Idaho. <laughs> Bitcoin is not good, and neither is Idaho. I thought two years into this, we would be there. Idaho, Bitcoin isn't good? How's Bitcoin doing today? <laughs> I, I don't know. Bitcoin value. What do we got? Ooh. Well, I mean, one Bitcoin still... Eight thousand U.S. dollars, like anything. It depends on where you bought it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, so then Southern Utah goes to Weber State. Oh, Weber State. <laughs> Weber State. I'm gonna chalk it up for all of us. Northern Colorado goes to Eastern Washington. Eastern. Yeah, Eastern. Yeah. Just to get healthy, just for that Grizz game. Yep. <laughs> Gosh, I hope. I don't want them on a losing streak coming into Wagres either. Although that'd be two weeks. Okay. Cause yeah, they, it's two weeks. They got some stretch. Yeah. Nah, I, I hope Northern Colorado gives them everything they got. And then we have Cal Poly traveling to UC Davis. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting game all of a sudden, right? Who are you picking? I'm going to go. I'm going Davis. I, Davis backs to the wall. I think there's just. A little too much talent on this team to allow triple option Cal Poly to push him off the bubble. Yeah, I, this is a must-win game for Davis. They everything's, all know it. Everything's a must-win. Everything is a must-win. Everything's a must-win for them. They If they lose this week to Cal Poly and then they're done. your team, they're done. done they're, and, you're done, done. Yeah, this is a playoff game for, for Davis. They're going to win this. Yeah, I agree. I think Davis. Were you like waiting for us to answer to like jump? Were you trying to talk yourself into a Cal Poly? No, no. <laughs> I'm going to save it. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes the big sky. All right. Awesome. So you guys might have noticed we did things in a little bit different order this week. And that's because you can't quit your bitching and whining on Egris <laughs> about sticking to football. But honestly, only about half of you want to. And the other half of you seem to enjoy our nonsense. <laughs> so what we decided to do was do most of the football early. So what are we into this podcast right now? We're sitting at a solid hours. buck 22. We're buck 22. <laughs> so we did. And now we're going to take viewer questions and then do our segments, which always have a little bit of football in them, but also kind of fun. So if you are somebody that doesn't like fun, you're done. Thank you for listening to us. This we appreciate week. it. We have a high tolerance for nonsense, <laughs> you know, and uh, I, you know, there's a lot of empty beer cans on the table now. Mike is uh, taking a quick detour. I don't know where he's going. Um, yeah. What are we doing first? Are we doing the questions? Yeah, let's start with the questions. 
Oh, man. I, I've got a good one to start. Timely. Okay. Um, hey, guys. <laughs> I love the podcast. And the sound quality this season is excellent. I always listen. I always listen in while I do my long training runs uh, <laughs> as I prepare for a marathon. The problem is I do four long runs each week, and I can only fit three of these long runs into one of your podcasts. <laughs> is there any chance you can add more time to the pod? <laughs> yeah, take that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, suck it, Egris. You know, I'm just going to say... Um, I was always annoyed when Egris would complain about the free content people would put out <laughs> when it wasn't me putting it out. But now that it is me putting it out, you know what? If you don't want to listen past the first hour, just don't listen. That's fine. We're hey, doing our best here. Night show's different than the early show, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Britt, what, what uh, listener question do you have? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. So uh, Grizz Fan Pod had a lot of replies here, so... Our boy uh, Jonathan Claxton first asked if we could not talk about cannibalism anymore. Um, uh, you eat my shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's something else. So uh, he asked this question. Do we agree that the Grizz have gotten some great scheduling breaks this season? So first we had Davis who had to play North Dakota State plays us then had to go to North Dakota again. So two Dakota trips, you know, sandwiched between but, us. But, and then we get hang on, wait. Then we get Sac State off a of bye and we have to play Eastern and then travel to Bozeman uh for a physical game. Okay. It, it, so, and I don't think he's saying like, is this a Grizz conspiracy? I mean I'm Who trying we, to Well we I'm got trying, we got four issues here. Yeah. We got four issues. Let's, Let's handle hear. the first one. Yeah. North Dakota being after UM plays at Davis is irrelevant. Okay. So they traveled to North Dakota State. They lost. They came back. Boo-hoo. Yeah. So it, do, it doesn't factor into the players, the coaches' mind, the team after, right? Like it might have been shitty for them to have to travel before yeah. into a tough place, but the, the game after us doesn't factor in. You, you go one week at a time. Yeah. Is yeah. that the sense? I would say so. Mm-hmm. Okay. His yeah. next point is uh, just that um, Sac State off the bye. Sac State off the bye. Well, that's great. Everybody gets a bye. Everybody has to play somebody after it. Well, you know, going into the season, I didn't, you know, circle Sac State as a problematic <laughs> Nobody game. Did. Nobody did. So I'm kind of happy that we get Sac State before the bye versus like after. East. Yep. Eastern. You know, like maybe we got a little break there, but. Um, that's okay. I, I'm I'm willing to take the breaks as they come to me. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, yeah. You know when we didn't catch a fucking break is uh, the timeout on the goal line against the against the cats. Like <laughs> this is the break that we get. I yeah. would say we still have some karma Goes breaks right, comes coming right. our but way. You know who? You know what else? We aren't catching a break this year. We don't play Southern Utah. We don't play Northern Colorado. Nope. And we don't play well Polly. Nope. Right. So maybe, yeah. I mean, Montana maybe. State Bobcats. <laughs> so I mean, I just, I mean, at the end of the year, the second half of the <laughs> schedule is going to be tougher than the first, and we're going to know who we are. But sure, so maybe, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Okay. More cannibalism. What's the next question we got? I got one in front of me. Go are for you it. pausing? Yeah, go for okay. It. Yeah, I, I, I've read them all, but I'm just letting you read them. I just figured that was easy. <laughs> Well, our guys with the uh, Grizz Fan News, which is at Grizz Fan News. 
Is that they have a Twitter. Facebook page too? Yeah. I think so. They're okay. a good follow. Yeah. Good follow. So their first question was, what goes well with uh, fava beans and a nice Chianti? Mike? <laughs> is, it, is it fava? Is it fava? Fava, fava beans. Fava beans? Nice Chianti. Okay. Oh, my oh, God. That's yeah. so creepy. That that's is the from, line. That's, yeah. Oh, that's Thank you. It did it yes. way too well. <laughs> oh, me and Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> and that's it for Grizz Fan Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, here is their serious question, though. Uh, are anyone else concerned about the beating the Sneed takes each game? Uh, love his competitive nature. Three straight players of the week. National player of the week, etc. But if he lands wrong or ends up in the wrong pile... It is, I'm going to paraphrase this, Reese Phillips, 2016, right? Or no, 2017, 2.0, where Reese shattered his leg. and then. The- yeah, but I mean, we had a freshman All-American sitting on the bench. Yeah, true, true. You know, whenever, whenever a player shatters his leg like Reese did, that's fluky. Um, but I am concerned about the beating that Snead takes. Yeah. He did slide once this last game and Ooh. actually drew a personal foul. He, yeah, he dove a few times. He had a few kind of head first dives. Yeah, he dove a bunch, which I think is a great. I, no, 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 no. I don't want our quarterback diving head first. It's not the NFL. He's he's down when the ball hits the ground. When he hits the ground, I just think that like when you di- <laughs> when, when you slide like you know your legs out first, the defense is cued to pull up okay but when you dive head first the defense can they can dive at you that's true so that's true. i don't love it when he dives i like it when he slides and coincidentally i think it's underscore coincidentally mm. he happened to draw a personal foul on the one play he slid last week but, that's true that's very true um i think it's a valid point and but i i think sneed you know play is is starting to play with his head from the pocket yeah. and the Grizz are great for it, but when he crosses the line of scrimmage, that dude plays with his heart. Yes, he does. Yeah, and that's why his teammates like him. I mean, do I want him catapulting into the end zone up forty-five? <laughs> no, I uh, do not. <laughs> um, and if he got hurt for a long period of time, this team changes so much. But I also think that from what we've seen of Humphrey. I think we'd still have a good offense, but a it running would be game the same. Would be great. I mean, I think Snead is. Well, we were just talking about it. Where does he rank in, you know, the history of Grizz QBs? I mean, losing him would be a big blow. So, knock on wood. Yup. Stays healthy. All right. Next question, fellas. What's the ceiling for this Montana team? Like semifinals, early playoff exit, no playoffs at all. What's the ceiling? What's the ceiling? I think the ceiling is a national championship. I mean, if the idea behind what's the ceiling is the highest they can go, this team has enough talent in enough places. If they can get their defense right on a hot streak, they could do it. Am I saying they're going to? No. But I think that's the ceiling. I legitimately legitimately think this team could compete for a national championship in the right circumstances. There's that uh, website. It's called like Computer Rankings, but computer spelled all weird. It's got like a GH in it, and it's like it's like a it's a simulation site, and you have to pay for a subscription. But there's enough people on some Facebook FCS groups that apparently pay for it. And somebody put a post up last week after the game, so it was like Sunday or Monday. And I don't know how this website aggregates its data, but 
I can't remember the precise score, but it, it was like neutral field, NDSU, Montana. It was NDSU winning by one point. And so it's like, you talk about like, you're right there. I That's mean, a coin flip. Yeah. And so it, it was kind of a fascinating thing. I, I'd agree with Mike. I think I think this ceiling could be national title. Like you look at this, you, you get through, we get battle tested with some damn tough teams in the second half of this conference. Say say you win all six. Say you go five. When you win five of six, you get a good seed. You get a little bit of a break. You get two or three games in Washington Grizzly. You're rolling, and that's that's how I mean that's how some of these 08, 04, 95, 2000, some of these Grizz national title teams got there. They had some weirdness in the middle of the season, but they got through it. They got on a hot streak and they got going. And this team has all the guys that can do that. And we haven't had that in place since probably the last time Bobby was here. Probably. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got one more question. I'll throw my punting one in here from our guy, Chris. Okay. Uh, so message on the good old eager is that uh, Wilson, best punter in the nation, stayed strong in the punting game on his first few punts. But then they went to a more rugby-style punt in the game against Idaho State, and it wasn't as effective. Uh, low line drive kicks, outkicking the coverage. Why would they turn to this style after all of the success in the more traditional style of punting? So I think, you know, it was an adjustment mid-game, and I think what they did, it, and I, Luke, you kind of talked on talked about this before the show, but was they noticed that, Idaho State wasn't bringing as many men as you might expect. So they switched to the rugby because it takes more time. So the more time you have to get your guys down there, maybe the line drive, but you're going to stop it. Yeah, they outkicked it once, but I think overall um, they had a pretty good day punt returning. Didn't he have like a net of 14 yards on his, all yeah. his punt returns? So we pulled it up. He had a long of 15, but he had a net of 14. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so I think that it was just an adjustment that Bobby saw. To say, hey, let's try and um, let's try and take more time to get the guys down the field further. And you know why he has another fourteen? He was tackled by our third string quarterback for a couple yard loss. Yep, Garrett, Garrett Graves, Graves. <laughs> who I will just tell you right now, I do not believe is our third string quarterback. But I've said that <laughs> oh man, who's who's our third string quarterback? Chris Chris Brown from Bozeman High School. <laughs> I thought it might have been our tackle. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Good question, Chris, and and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. We got any else? Luke, you got a few? No, no, that's all I have. That's it? Yeah, I just had two questions. Man. So, uh, but feel free to uh, email us, text us, tweet at us, um, at GrizzFanPod, if you guys have questions you'd like us to address uh, in the upcoming weeks. Let me see. Rolling through the Twitter account. I don't th- oh, uh, should uh, our friend Hot Take Nate release his preseason poll? Yes. Yes, he should. We like to talk about this stuff. Sure. So Luke is a voter in the Big Sky preseason polls, as is. Um, Which should tell you that they mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> as is uh, Nate from Montana Mint and, and Bear Tycoon from Montana Mint. Yep. Um, and Nate. Whether he's put this out there or not, let's just call him the task. Pick the Grizz to finish eighth this year. Eighth. And basically said, 
they were bad last year and there's no reason to think they're going to get better, which shows that he actually paid no attention to anything about them. But eight. So yes, release the damn poll. Russia, if you're listening. Russia, Um, (laughs) China, I don't care. Uh, We also had a Vandal fan, Brian Marceau, part of Tubbs in the Club, I do believe. He's a great Twitter follow, too. He's a fun guy. He knows the big sky. Analytical puts Nobody. Wow. Uh, I think this is just more of an event than an actual question, but uh, can you explain to a long-suffering Vandals fan who has two winning seasons and 15 years of personal foundom the joy of your team building on a visible but unrealized potential from year before and putting together a damn good team. Can we visualize Idaho putting together a damn good team? <laughs> well, Here's what I would say. Their half-million-dollar coach ain't doing it. I mean, you got to say yes in the sense that they have more resources and better facilities, quote-unquote, than most of the big sky. So they should be, right? You would think. If you listen to Brian talk, he explains the high level of toxicity. We're talking about Berkeley Pitt level toxicity in the Vandal program. I think it's going to be really hard to resurrect an interesting squad there just because Half of the fan base thinks they should have never left the FCS. Half the fan base thinks... Their head coach doesn't think they should have left the FBS. It's pretty obvious. Yep. I mean, they're they're divided. They're split. No one's happy that they're getting their ass kicked at the FCS level. Um, I, I think it would be really hard to explain to a recruit why they should come there beyond we're offering you scholarship dollars, which if you're any good, you'll have a lot of... A lot of choices on the table. So, yep. I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of dark days in front of Idaho Vandals. Seems like it. Really, the only other thing we had, of course, we uh, we tweeted out a photo of uh, Dalton Sneed looking a little looking a little uh, frustrated <laughs> after caption uh, yeah, our caption contest fun. we had, where it was a little screenshot of old Dalton after um, you know not securing the catch of his. Um, Grizzly special, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so um, the most amount of likes on the reply was from uh, Russ McKinnon, where the caption contest said 17 points down, hold my beer. Um, the other one that was up there is from some guy, Tom, where it says, <laughs> fire that fucking cannon. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> there were some good ones. I personally like, again, Grizz fan news where it's like, I still don't understand why those jackasses work cannibalism into the podcast, which, of course, we point out there's only one jackass. Yeah, the, the moderator of the Grizz the fan Twitter account <laughs> said jackass asterisk. <laughs> so, I don't know who that is. So your cool prize is we mentioned you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Russ, I'll buy you a beer. Yeah. Yeah, we're always up for getting beers. Yeah, so. why not? <laughs> Run low tonight. All right. What's up? Oh, yeah. Okay, hang on. Brent? Yes. Mike? Do you know what time it is? Mike? No, no, I don't. It's time for the check down. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. <laughs> this is a segment where I ask Mike quick questions in succession and he gives us very quick answers. 
Mike, are you ready? Uh, always. Mike, you need a babysitter. You have the entire Grizz football roster in your phone. Who do you pick and why? Uh, I'm picking Dante Olsen because Coach Houck said really nice things about him, and I'm going to leave it at that. Jerry Lou McGee has a kid. That's true. Coach Houck said that Dante could marry one of his daughters. Oh. Does Houck have daughters? Yes, he does. He's got twins? Twin daughters. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Dante gets to choose. <laughs> I almost didn't say it because I didn't want to go here. But I'm just saying, apparently he's a good guy. He Let's could, move he's on. He's a good guy. <laughs> okay, Mike. Opposing team, lo- opposing team locker rooms. Are the Grizz's locker rooms sufficient? Yes or no? Are the Grizz's opposing team locker rooms sufficient? Yeah. I've heard they're awful. Yeah. But are they sufficient? Yes, because they're the visitors. Okay. What foods do the Grizz need to add to their home game selection? At the stadium? At the stadium. You know, the tents are good. It's the food service stuff that's questionable. Um, I'd like to see more burger options and um, more noodle facilities because right now there's only one. Okay. How's that? I like that. Yeah, I agree. And the Viking line in the North End Zone is just too long for me. (laughs) So if I don't get food at Brent's tailgate at halftime, I go hungry. Um, Mike, how did you get Stacy to allow you to name your son after Edger and James? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stacy is a closet Peyton Manning fan, so it just made sense. Uh, Mike, what's your opinion on trade vetoes and fantasy sports? Um, I vote no on every single trade. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Are you Just guys because serious? I don't understand why we even have to vote at all. <laughs> okay, Mike. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. All right. Just want to say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's a story there for another day. All right, Mike, as a realtor, you've often said on this podcast that you're your worst critic. How come you haven't read any of your Yelp reviews? (laughs) (laughs) Yelp is a scam. Side note, Yelp is a scam. You want to read reviews, go to Google, go to Facebook. Yelp, like there's a teriyaki place downtown in Stocks, Dobie's, and there used to be a truck, right? And he is on like a mission against Yelp because Yelp basically... They're deleting a bunch of his reviews. They give credence to the low reviews over the high reviews, even if you've got 20 high reviews and one bad review, unless you pay them. I mean, it's a freaking scam. So are you telling me that we shouldn't pay attention to your Yelp reviews? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Do I have Yelp reviews? I've never checked. I don't know. Something tells me I'm going to now. (laughs) Okay, Mike, you got your professional start working for the University of Montana as a public employee. Yes. Now you manage a private realty, real, realtor agency. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to sell out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, we talked about the square footage of my house last week, so we'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay. Can I hop into the check down real quick yes. here? Mike Nugent, Yelp. <laughs> Seven reviews. Oh, yes. Four and a half out of five stars. Oh. But this isn't me. There's like literally four Mike Nugent who sell real estate in this country. All right. Top review. 
Yes. <laughs> this turned out to be such a great segment. Very clean office, friendly staff, efficient and timely. Very gentle with my mouth. <laughs> what? This is Mike Nugent, the dentist. The dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Very gentle with my mouth. Four and a half stars. She said he was gentle with her mouth. Hey, Nugent Group Real Estate has uh, uh, five stars. But that's Mike and Irma. Yeah, but there's an Irma in there, so it doesn't count. Yeah, I'm not on Yelp. How did Mike Nugent do kicking field goals? How did he do? He missed one, My I think. My dad said that he caught the tail end of the game where they said he'd had an interesting day. <laughs> um, who knows? All right. Moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mike, you're a Yankees fan. Yankees just beat the Twins to uh, advance to the ALCS. You're also a 49ers fan. Uh, 49ers crushed the uh, Browns tonight. <laughs> you're a Grizz fan. Yeah. And how are they doing? They're they're doing pretty well. Uh, the NBA season is near upon us. Is there a team you'd like to jump on the bandwagon <laughs> for? <laughs> We've talked about this. I'm a Warriors fan. Yeah. It what? Because very recently. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't really follow the NBA. I mean, let's just be right out there. So I, you know, I'll I'll just watch anything that that Luke and Dylan tell me to, uh, or Harlow occasionally. But uh, um, when I was a kid, for some reason, my older brother liked picking up FM radios, so he had a giant metal cord on our roof, which in retrospect, I can't believe my parents allowed. But it picked up a lot of radio signals, so at night, I could get KNBR out of San Francisco, which was the Warriors basketball network. So I would hear Warriors basketball games back in the... um, well, who was the Latrell Sprewell days? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's your favorite warrior uh, that played before ni- 2010? <laughs> I have no clue. It's got to be Chris Mullins, right? Uh, sure. Antoine Jameson? Antoine Jameson. So you guys are both Mormon fans <laughs> than I am. Okay, Mike. This is for all of uh, our listeners and your final check down question. You are quite the camper. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite park to camp at? Uh, well, Glacier, but I, I love almost all the places we go. Any special state parks you want to mention? Um, well, I like Placid Lake State Park. I like the Flathead Lake State Parks. Are we going somewhere with this? No, I just, <laughs> I just want... People want to know about Mike Nugent. People want to know these things. And you are an outdoorsman, and I wanted to see what you thought about camp spots yeah well there you go all right is that it that's it (laughs) heaven forbid you don't charge your phone one leak i know we're back we're back to it pew 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 all right so in our new format that leaves us with the bwr the bwr is a segment where we ask brent questions he gives us his ranking it's sort of based off of the uh, QBR and uh, easily the worst part of the pod. Easily my yeah, my favorite part. Of the pod. <laughs> the producers agree because we moved it to the end. So <laughs> just laugh like idiots in it, and I don't give real answers. Um, I'll start, and then you've got some stuff prepared. How's that? Great, great. So, in interest of current events, okay. um, give me your top five Yankees starters in no particular order. <laughs> 
<laughs> like current starters. Yep. <laughs> so there's uh, that Aaron Judge guy. All right, that's a good one. He's James's favorite Yankee. Uh, is CC Sabathia still? Starting, I mean, is playing he was, he he is one a, of the five in the rotation. There you He's go. You got CC. Yeah, yeah. Two. Oh, uh, they got the Mariner guy, uh, Paxton, James Paxton. Yeah, he yeah. started okay. the game one of the ALDS. Uh, There's three. I see my guy JT tweets this uh, DD Gregorius. DD Gregorius is their start starting shortstop. Yeah, so he tweets a lot of stuff. Um, oh shit. It shows how much I follow. I'm impressed. I probably um, couldn't do this for the Mariners. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, oh my gosh. Uh, I, I, this, yeah, this, as a Mariners fan, I check out a baseball in midsummer. We'll do a lifeline to our buddy Brad <laughs> and t- say DJ LeMayu, who okay. the Yankees signed from the Colorado Rockies in the offseason. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Mr. Everything. Almost won the batting title playing every Wait. position in the infield. Who's the guy we talked about before we got going? Actually, we saw him start at that game that got canceled on the storm last year in D.C. Um, Luis Severino? No, no, no. Uh, that has the interpreter going around with him. Oh, Mashiro Tanaka. Tanaka. Masahiro Tanaka. Sure, I'll say Tanaka just because yeah. I saw him pitch a half a game before it got canceled. For background, there's a there's a guy on Twitter named John Boy who I'm sure some of you who have heard about. and He tweeted out a picture of uh, Masahiro Tanaka and his interpreter in the Yankees dugout, you know, screaming and cheering on a home run, I think, in the game today. <laughs> and... Our thought was there could not be a better job in the world than being the interpreter for a pitcher in the Major League Baseballs on a good team. I mean, you just have to be bilingual. Yeah, you're bilingual. So easy. And you get to hang out with all of these awesome athletes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) Brent just completely changed the trajectory here. All right, Brent. No, give me, give me your five words <laughs> from another language that are your favorite. <laughs> Don't worry, being bilingual is easy. Oh, it's so easy. Brent talks a little English Konnichiwa. and a lot of shit. <laughs> All right, we got Kanishiwa. Oh, yeah. no. Bonjour in French. Okay. Um. <laughs> He's taking it seriously. Uh, yeah, that that's. Uh, but use the accents <laughs> if you can. <laughs> we tried this. <laughs> we did this last week. The accents didn't work. Oh no! I told my wife that story. I was like, Luke said you <laughs> told her told you told him that I'm good at accents, and she's like, I did, and I was like, Well, I don't think you did. And I play the portion. She's like, Luke is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> she's like why are you guys laughing so much it's like she's giving me these sentences that you couldn't put an accent to <laughs> all right okay <laughs> <You're awful. laughs> okay brent uh the year is 2022 in the the big sky conference has decided they're going to add another team because why not yeah more the merrier yeah sure Name your top five teams that you would like to add into the Big Sky Conference. I can pick any, like any five teams: North Dakota State, North Dakota, bring them back. South Dakota State, South Dakota, and 
would you like to pick any FBS team to drop down? Yeah, I was debating like uh, like if Nevada would come back or I mean Boise's doing too good, but I mean New Mexico State's kind of trash right now, but that's a little bit of a yeah maybe New Mexico State or something just like add that kind of like I'd relevancy. Take an eight, per, eight team conference with Idaho, New Mexico State, Montana, Montana State, and then four of the top remaining Big Sky. I mean, institutions. It'd be a hell of a basketball conference too. I mean, it'd be a good setup. Yeah. Okay. I I go. I go heavy in the Dakotas, and then grab someone out of the FBS that maybe was. It's a hell of a travel schedule. Yeah, you're not driving to a lot of those games, are you? Buy buy the Grizzlies a plane. (laughs) Mike, do you have any more? I mean, I can always have more. Yeah, you're up. How do you guys like have like a list of this? Because we care. <laughs> we want you to do well for yourself. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Um, so, again, this week in the news, there was a, I'm just going to call him a stupid tourist, because it's apropos here, who got burned by the geysers in Yellowstone. <laughs> Perfect. Give us your top five stupid tourist stories or observations. Stories or observations. Um, I mean, number. Uh, so, I have been in places where tourists have been walking around, recording themselves walking through entire exhibits with selfie sticks for forty-five minutes, an hour, two hours, just recording themselves. That makes zero sense to me. Um, I've been in other situations where, you know, tourists are just kind of, kind of assholes where you're, you know, getting, um, <clears throat> shoved out of the way so they could see stuff. I'd say getting burned at Yellowstone has got to be number one though. I mean, I just, the amount of stupid, I mean, but honestly, like last year, didn't a couple of people die from it? I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And having been in Yellowstone this summer, they post it everywhere and there's people all over the place to tell you. Don't do this, but you know people still do it. Uh, I don't know. You know that guy that was hitting golf balls off the going to the sun road or something. Oh, yep, that's um, that's definitely in there. That, that, that's uh, yeah. There you go. There, there's a handful. That works. Okay. All right, Brent. <clears throat> I want you to name the richest hill. Butte. No, no wait, no. <laughs> you have to choose between Grant. <laughs> Norin and Cyprus. <laughs> Norin. Lauren is estimated to be worth six million dollars. All right. Try again. Oh, <laughs> Grant. Grant is estimated to be worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. There we go. Alright, one more. No. Name the richest hill. Jamil, Jonah, and Faith. Oh, oh it's Faith. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. It's not Jamil. It's not Jamil. Jamil's a better Twitter follow, but Faith's got way more money. Faith is estimated to be worth $80 million. Jonah, 45 mm, Good for him. Jamil, 4 Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Brent, <clears throat> this is kind of an interactive one. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I've prepared a short PowerPoint for you to look at. <laughs> we will post these images to the Grizz Fan Pod, but... Because you were in college, you were a business management major Mm -hmm. with minors in both art history and human sexuality. I am going to show you 
six images, and you need to try to tell me the artist and the name of the painting to put your art history background to work. Mike, I also need you to guess how many he's going to get correct. I'm going to go zero. Okay. Brent, what's this painting called? Um, the farmer. <laughs> um, I think the last name is uh, Jones. I can't think of his first name. This is American Gothic. American Gothic by Robert Woods. Yeah. This is. I I slept through that day of art class. Okay. Yeah. All right. The next. The next. Painting. Okay. I gotta put this scene for you guys listening right now. Luke. Has his computer up, pointing at Brent, and he literally has created PowerPoints that show the photo first, and then when he presses a button, it shows it. You actually created a PowerPoint for the BWR. This is amazing. If you get a chance to take a class from Luke Alford, do it. That's Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. Whoa, Mike. Wow. You spelled Van Gogh wrong. That's not that's, important. That's how you spell Van Gogh. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> like a van that goes, yeah. It's just Van Gogh. <laughs> okay, Brent. Um, it's like The Scream. And That's right. Shit. That's good. Okay. Um, the artist. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. I'm blanking it out. Can I call a lifeline, Mike? Don't call me. <laughs> oh, that guy. The Scream by Edward Munch. Edward Munch. Yep. Good okay. Old, good See, old Edward. I can tell that you... I mean, it's been a few years. I'm, I'm picking it back up. But yeah. You're picking it back up. It's coming quick. <laughs> okay. Uh, that is a Picasso painting, and I have no damn clue what it's called. Uh, clocks. Let's just go with clocks. clocks? Time. T- uh, <laughs> clocks. Yeah, clocks by Picasso. Let's just do that. Mike? I got nothing. Shit. <laughs> this is Salvador Dali. No, Picasso's. Yes, that's right. Damn it. <laughs> the persistence of memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If there's anyone that appreciates art that listens to the pod, they're gonna. They're, I'm gonna get like I, you're I'm dead not to me. Gonna say that these are areas that <laughs> really cross those Venn diagrams overlap. I think Igris is gonna be on fire this week. <laughs> there's nothing else okay. to get. And then we got this masterpiece, The Banker, by. That's not correct. Uh, last name. I'll just go Smith. We have the artist is Renee, Renee Marguerite, uh, Marguerite. 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 Son of man. The son of man. Shit. Okay. And then finally. Oh, wait. Oh. What's this one? Okay, that's a Charlie Russell painting, right? That's right. I don't know. Okay, okay. Charlie Russell, Montana's own. Okay, well, I got that. Thank God. Um, I don't know. What? Like the hunter? Let's go with that. Any guesses? <laughs> I do, but I, I feel they're not culturally appropriate, so I don't want to say it. Fighting meat. Fighting meat. That's what it's called. Yep. Interesting. Hey, I got Charlie Russell. Mike said I get zero. I got like no. I am beyond. I impressed. got like three artists and like one painting. 
Nate. We're grading on the Grizz Fan Pod uh, art class <laughs> bell curve. That is a solid B. Next week, we're going to do some human sexuality <laughs> points. <laughs> what is this body part? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, and now I have a question for both of you. Ooh. Why not? The state of California has passed a, la- a law allowing NCAA athletes to profit off their likenesses. This law will go into effect in the year 2023. If, Monpa- if Montana passed such a law, which current Grizz football player would you pay for their likeness to promote your businesses? <laughs> well, I mean, I think obviously Dante, Jerry Lou McGee. Oh, you go with the name. I Robbie Hauk. Robbie You got Houck, the Hauk, yeah. yeah. Obviously, Sneed's the star player. You got to get him in there. Would they be able to do a better Ring the Bell commercial than Coach Petrino? Yes, they would. Um, and I'm going to use uh, OD. OD? OD. <laughs> so you've, you've left off Sammy, Sammy Akem uh-huh. and Jesse Sims. Yeah. Those are terrible omissions. Yeah. <laughs> Brent? Um, yeah, I would probably is be... Is OD on your list? <laughs> is OD on my list? Unfortunately, probably not. I always have your back. Go, go. Okay, yeah. What, what would the slogan be? <laughs> I don't have any idea. Why wouldn't it be like, take it to the house? Yeah. Or something like Real that. Real estate with Brent or Mike is a touchdown every time. <laughs> oh, no. Did you hear that? Another house buyer rang the bell. <laughs> Why can't you guys do a commercial? Because it takes two realtors to make a sale. It also takes, you know, uh, two players to throw and catch a touchdown pass. <laughs> do you think we could make a commercial be- with you two <laughs> throwing the ball to one another? And You're like Don Sneed and Sick. There's a time when I could put a nice spiral up. I don't know if that happens anymore. You know, back when I had dreams of not being a center in school. You were a center. I was a center. Okay. I played soccer. I tried to kick the ball, but... And a golfer. And a golfer. No wonder he's such a pedestrian fan. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, that concludes the BWR. Uh, we've learned a lot about Brent tonight. We, uh, as always, it's educational. I hope his wife listens. <laughs> she doesn't. Get, no, she doesn't. So I'm All safe. Right. Uh, guys, any final thoughts? Go Sac State for this week. I got nothing there. Yeah. No, I think that's it. What's our time at? Two hours and almost two minutes. Hey! We cut some time off this this Hey, we this shaved month. it. Woo. We stuck to sports. Hashtag, kind of. Kind of. Hashtag. All right. Well, same time, same place next week. If we know you, we'll talk to you soon. If not, we'll see you next week. Go Grizz. Fine on. Fine on.